0: always make this chair a little bit crooked when I sit down but so <laughs> right <laughs> so Genesis 35 we left off in 34 34 is quite a depressing um, chapter to read there's a lot that happens in Genesis 34 and we'll uh, we'll discuss it here in a moment but the name of God isn't addressed one time in Genesis 34. And look at the chaos that's in Genesis 34. Um, so that's a that's an interesting thing that as we just went through that, and we saw all that happened to Dinah, and we saw all the chaos between uh, Jacob's uh, failure to lead his family uh, correctly, and and his sons being insubordinate, and uh, and those things, and his sons committing. Uh, A pretty atrocious act on uh, the innocent people that weren't involved with what happened to Dinah. Uh, There's a lot that happened there. And uh, those guys went about in their own uh, and did their own thing. And we saw in Genesis 49 where, uh, as uh, Jacob is kind of saying his last words, he says that they were just brutal men. And uh, they were cruel. And uh, so we see there that that was very much outside the will of God. And that even as Jacob progressed in his life, that stuck with him. And and that when it came to final blessing time, he didn't have a whole lot of good to say to Simeon and to Levi. So uh, it's just unfortunate uh, to read in 34 and to understand that the name of the Lord isn't mentioned one time. And there's just uh, sadness, chaos, and and uh, people doing what is right in their own eyes is really what it comes to. Not that any of us really disagree. I don't think with what with what the brothers did. And our and I know in 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 my flesh we want vengeance is mine, right? Uh, but we know the scripture the the Lord uh, tell says that it belongs to Him. So uh, there's a lot to learn from 34. We spent a good time in it. So now we're going to move into 35. <clears throat> Verse one. Then God said to Jacob, "Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled, uh, fled from the face of Esau your brother." So, uh, what we see here is after all the chaos and everything, and, and uh, his uh, there's really no recorded answer from uh, when uh, Jacob's sons. Uh, say to him, you know, you're just going to let uh, them treat our our sister like a harlot. There's no response there uh, recorded from Jacob. It kind of just stops there, the silence. I'm sure there were more conversations. I'm sure there was more that happened. But from the scripture, what we see that that was relayed to us, it stops there and it moves right into God speaking to Jacob. So his son spoke to him and we don't see a response from him, but we see the Lord now speaking to Jacob and addressing him and giving him specific marching orders. And those orders were um, to go back to uh, Bethel, where uh, 20 years prior the Lord had revealed himself to him and he saw the angels ascending and descending upon the ladder. And uh, he came to the spot where he changed the name from Luz uh, to uh, House of God because how the God is surely in this place, and I didn't know it. We're, we probably remember those things, right? so uh the Lord is now telling Jacob, "Arise, go there, and dwell there and uh that's a uh quite a uh, an interesting thing and um where he's being told to go back to the house of God and to dwell there that's that's a, a powerful uh thing just to meditate on God is calling him to the house of god uh to uh, to to dwell there the place that he knows is that, and the Lord tells him to to make an altar and uh, considering what an altar is, an altar is a picture of, of Christ and that that what would happen on the altar is a picture of Christ where the innocent would would die in place of the guilty. So the Lord is saying, build an altar there. And uh, he, so he's told to do those things. And God is is telling him to return to the place where he had an encounter with God, where he met. With God, and uh, that that's an an interesting thing, and so he's being called to the house, back to the house of God. And I don't, I I, I know this this crew here. I know uh, how seriously you take your your walk with the Lord. This could be uh, a reflection for us of a time where we weren't. Uh, when you consider people call the church the house of God, right? It's kind of known as you know, oh, you go to church, right? And they don't say, well, just and we know that somebody can go to a church their whole life and never have a relationship with God. But but many times, the you know, oh, you go to church, that's a good thing. It's We know that from the scripture, we're called to not only just go to and be amongst a, a body of believers, but the most important thing we need in our life is that relationship with the Lord. For the church, the Christian, that means that we have a healthy relationship with the Lord and we're part of a body of believers. So... There are times in our lives whether we were uh, new Christians or whatever that I'm sure any of us can reflect on where we knew we were supposed to be at church but we weren't there. You know, or may we might have been there physically but our hearts weren't at church. We, you know, we were going uh, through those motions and it's a a a call to, uh, you know, if we, if we want to look at it that way now, uh, that's, uh, as we're looking here, he's caught being called back to Bethel, the place that the Lord spoke to him and he renamed Luz to Bethel, the house of God. And, but, but for us, when we're looking at this kind of in a, in a way, uh, for us to reflect on, you know, have we, uh, put our really ever put our, our relationship with the Lord on pause, you know, or have we ever just said, yeah, I still believe in God, but I'm going to go do my own thing too. And, you know, there, there, I think all of us have our own, when we reflect back, those times where we say, you know what, I was really living for myself. I was seeking myself at that time. Whether we had a relationship with God that was very strong at one time, or, uh, you know, for me, I grew up that I I, I had a yearning for the Lord. And, and um, uh, as a young Catholic boy, I'd, I'd occasionally— um, uh, you know, we would go to church, uh, occasionally, uh, you know, as a family. And sometimes when we didn't, I, the Lord would just stir my heart and I would, that was the only church I knew to go to. So I would just go and I, I'd, I'd enjoy singing the songs. And on a few occasions, I would just walk there by myself. It was within walking distance. That's the Lord drawing me is what it is. I can look back and and would no doubt understand that God was working in my heart. Unfortunately, I followed my flesh for many years, and I went down the road that I wasn't supposed to, and I I knew it. I didn't need somebody to explain to me that I'm following my flesh and I'm not seeking God in my life. I knew that I was supposed to seek God. I didn't really know what that meant, but I knew I was supposed to be living for him, and I wasn't. I, I think that's the Lord speaking to most people are going to recognize that as their conscience. Most people, if they look at it, that the Lord is speaking to their hearts. And um, I knew what I was doing was wrong. I knew going the partying route was wrong. Uh, all those things, all those decisions I made in my life, the, 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 the garbage in that I was pouring into my ear with the music I listened to. Um, I knew that wasn't pleasing to God, but I didn't care because I liked it you know and i liked that more and i appreciated that more than my relationship with god in our lives jacob had had an encounter with the lord and he had he had said i you know god is in this place and before this god had already given him a new name but god is calling him back to that place that he that he met god and that he said this is where god uh, that this is the house of god it was a special place that he uh, that he had in his life and you know, we um, we can get to a point where life is just, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to go do whatever I want to do. When I go home, I'm going to eat dinner. I'm going to turn on the TV, and I'm going to watch that. And maybe, every you know, occasionally I might pick up the scriptures and, and get into them, but I'm going to just do my own thing. So I think many of us can look at our li- back at our lives and say, I've been there before, where I, I was at that point, and the Lord called me back to that place where I had that that interaction with him, that fellowship with him, and he restores us. Because what we're going to see here is God, uh, like re not really reaffirms, but he, he reassures Jacob of his promises. Because Jacob might have started questioning. That's what I have to believe. The Lord goes through them all again to Jacob. He's like, I remember I gave you a new name. Remember all these promises. He hears them again from the Lord. So uh, it's just an encouragement for us that if we find ourselves in a spot where church is mundane, or, um, you know, we have brothers and sisters that we know are, are, are in this state that they know they're supposed to be here, but they're not, not even just here, but at church, in fellowship. Um, we know that the scripture calls us to be in fellowship with other believers. Um, I, I've noticed something that uh, most people that have told me they don't need to go to church to, to worship God um, and I heard, I, I, I listened to Ken on this, um, I think it was last night or this morning and I was like, he's right. He, he said that most people that will say that to you will say, I can worship God when I'm doing X, when I'm doing those, when they do that, they're not actually, they're, they just, they're not actually not, yes, they could seek the Lord and pray and everything, but they, they're not actually pro- you know, practicing that. It's more of the, I don't need to go to church. But when the Scripture tells us not to forsake the gathering of the brethren, and that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in the breaking bread and in the fellowship, those are things that we need. That's that's our four f- uh, daily food groups. I think I missed one there. Um, uh, but anyway, you guys know that Scripture well enough. Uh, Acts two forty-two. They continued. St- they continued. It wasn't that they all split up individually. We have to. It, it's something important for us. It's not about a tithing thing. It's not about, it's about being together. Yes, tithe is an act of worship. Don't get me wrong. But we're called to be together. That importance of being together in what the world would know as the house of God. You know, this house, this, this building belongs to a, a landlord. And we come here. Um, this is our sanctuary to meet. This is what we know as church. And somebody, we might say, our our house that we meet in in the name of God. And if we know brothers and sisters that are struggling with a regular attendance um, that, uh, that, or maybe they're coming once a month, you know, this is not a, a message of condemnation for them. It's a message of encouragement. Dive into the Lord together. Let's do this together as a family. Um, rather than I know what it's like to eat one meal a month. <laughs> I don't because I, 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 I don't, but I, I can imagine what it would be like, right? Right? I might make it a month on one high-calorie meal, right? One fifty ounce steak might help, right? <laughs> So I'm just joking. But but th- th- those, those things, right? If we thought about trying to live our lives on one meal a month, we're not going to last long, and we're weak. We need to be together, that calling back, he's experiencing the lord calling him back to that place and when he gets back to that place all those promises that the lord had made him are are, are said again to him I'm way ahead of where we're going to get because i think we've read one verse but but the, to look at what is happening you know he he has gotten to a point where uh you know things are out of control again in his life you know we we've talked about this we're watching the gradual growth of Of Jacob happened you know in front of our eyes and at some point you're looking like dude you should have this down Shouldn't we in certain ways right? You know It's very easy for us to look at somebody very judgmentally uh, Especially in the scripture when we see their failures come up repeatedly and uh, oh, oh wait, and I failed That that day at least there I failed right there that day. Oh, okay. All right. So, uh, we can we can relate uh, often so um Verse 2, And Jacob said to his household and to all that are with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. You know, this, can, this is a strong implication that Jacob was aware of what was going on but maybe wasn't addressing it. So when he calls everybody, the Lord told him, called him back to that place where he met the Lord and said, set up an altar, set up your time of worship with me and your your place of worship with me. And then Jacob grabs everybody together and he tells everybody, hey, all those foreign gods, this is funny. Uh, Am I getting ahead of myself? Yes, I am. I need to look at that in verse four. Sorry. Um, uh, But and he tells everybody, put away the foreign gods among you. You know, we see Jacob, again, starting to understand he is the leader. He has to direct everybody. And uh, so he takes this, whether he knew it or not, he knows that to move forward, uh, he needs to purify. There needs to be a purification of his house. Now, uh, there are a lot of people. And he knows that all these people that came from Haran, we know, we know that his wife, Stole his, his his parents. We don't know what had happened, but we know here that they get dealt with. If, if they hadn't been dealt with before, we know that they get dealt with here uh, in, verse, in the next few verses as we uh, go through here. So, you know, the text leads us believe that he was aware of the pagan worship, but wasn't doing anything uh, about it or to prevent it. So what he does is he's calling everybody and basically saying, I know you have them. Let's bring them here together. We have to purify ourselves and uh, change your garments. You know, that's a, it's a that outer uh, example of purification that's happening. Then let us arise, go to Bethel, and I will make an altar there who, uh, to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has made me. Uh, been with me in the way which I have gone. You notice he's talking about his distress. He tells everybody, and if you look back at verse 1, the Lord told him, Remember I appeared to you there when you fled from Esau, your brother, when he was pursuing you? He reminded Jacob, Remember that's where you went and I spoke to you? And Jacob's saying, Hey, that's where God ministered to me. That's an important thing to share with our family is, when, you know, this is how God ministered to me. This is, this is, uh, you know, where, uh, I was in my life and God ministered to me there to share that, to, that my kids would know that my kids have heard me say it sp- specifically up here. And they've heard us talk, uh, you know, about our lives before, uh, really dedicating our lives to the Lord, but being able to say, I come, you know, now he's saying, let's get rid of the junk and you're going to come with me and uh, we're going to go back to where God ministered to me. And, you know, he got the call to return uh, to the Lord, you know, from God, and he immediately addresses this first. Uh, It's a um, what I've found from many people who are hesitant to come to the Lord is they don't believe that their life is clean enough yet to come to the Lord. I've got to get this in order so that then as soon as I get rid of this addiction, as soon as I get rid of this in my life and that in my life, then I can go to God. And we know that our our, our salvation and, and our righteousness comes from God, that we're saved by grace through faith and not of works, lest anyone should boast. We understand that, right? Uh, we can get to points where we think that, you know, that's not the case and that we have to force our way and we have to get things just Brokenheartedly cry out to God and he is going to address those things. He already addressed it in, in, in Jacob's heart. We know that because what is it? The first thing Jacob does, he gathers everybody. He's like, Hey, everybody pack up and get those things out of here. It's the first thing he says to them, put away those things. We're moving forward with God, right? God calls us to him first. And then he's going to remove those things from our lives. That, 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 Uh, You know, if we ever get to a point that we uh, are in a backslidden state, then we can be lied to by our enemy saying, well, you can't go back to church now. You can't go back. You still have to deal with this, and you haven't dealt with this yet. Confess it brokenheartedly. Lord, this has taken over my life. I know you're calling me back. I give it all to you. And because God has called us and he's worked in our hearts and we respond to him, he's going to honor that prayer. He's going to take those things away from us. And Jacob, right here, is going. God's putting this on my. First thing I'm going to say to my family is, get those things out of here. And he, and we'll see here that he collects them. You know, he, he, uh, you know, God calls him, and he responded, and uh, it wasn't a matter of. Jacob saying, "Hey, you know what? We really need to get all these things out of here." And then I got to go to God and ask me if He's going to call me back to Bethel. It was opposite. God worked in His life, and then and then those things were offered up, and just saying, "I, I don't want this stuff. I, this is this isn't any good. This has to be purified from my life." We uh, unfortunately, the church uh, today, specifically in America, um, might get to a point where they say. I'm not feeling God calling me back to him. I still like this, whatever X is. I still like this in my life. And I don't think God is calling it. That's a lie. Because if we have the Holy Spirit in us and we are living that life of sin, He's 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 moving and He's. I mean, we can get to a point where we sear our conscience with a hot iron. We know that, right? But God is so faithful to, to work and we're gonna have that, that discontentment. Yes, we might go hard down that road of sin. Hopefully not. But but what we're going to see is that discontentment. That's, we're never going to be at peace. You know, I, Oftentimes, I know that I've, I've prayed uh, for those, and I, I actually learned this from a brother over in Washington. Uh, he was praying. He was saying, Lord, give them no peace in that life, that they're trying to just forsake you and to walk away from you, that they wouldn't have peace until they return to you, that whatever they're doing, the discontentment, And that lack of peace in their life would drive them to to that point of desperation and brokenness where they have to come back to you. That's okay to pray for somebody because we're praying for their salvation, their life. You know, our salvation can't be stolen from us, but we can sure just disregard it. We can say, no, you know what? I'm not going to walk with God anymore. We see that. You know, you look through Hebrews, it's pretty, it's pretty powerful. To read through Hebrews, that's a, that's an amazing book. If you haven't spent some time in Hebrews, open it up. There's so much. I mean, we know the whole Scripture, but it's it's an interesting book to read. If we or anybody we know is in that point where you know that's that that point of of a spiritual a uh, stagnancy, or as if that's out of words being stagnant or or backsliddenness, uh, that that there's the uh, the accusation of, well, you know what? I, I just I was reading, I was going to church and everything, and everything felt stale, so I just stopped following God. No, that's not the case at all. You know, God God didn't stop ministering to you. You might have, you know, followed your emotions right out of church, right outside of a proper relationship with the Lord. But God doesn't forsake His children. That's not in God's character at all. The Lord's heart is crying out, and you'll see it here, 2 Corinthians 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's the heart of the Lord for the backslidden, for the broken, for the sinner. You know, that that he's just saying, if they would just call on my name if they would call. So we know he's working. We know he's, he's doing those things. He's so faithful to do so. So we see here that Jacob's recounting God ministering to him, and he's calling, uh, calling uh, that God is calling him back to the house of God. You know, uh, his first encounter with the Lord at Bethel, was when he had just deceived his blind father and uh, his brother was planning to kill him. And he thought that, um, you know, he had got what he wanted, right? And his mom packed him up for a couple days. Your brother's going to settle down and then you can come back. And we know that it was 20 years. The consequences for his actions cost 20 years with his family. You know the Lord still worked in his life. The, the Lord still uh, blessed him. We see that. But you know those those twenty years were definitely tough on him. He had a really rocky relationship with his father in law, didn't he? <laughs> he uh, yeah he, he got his uh, he, he met his match there in Haran, and you know they, he went through some difficult such situations. And that's what happens. It's what happens when we're following our own way. And uh, we, that's where our own will is going to lead us, to a, a place of hardship. You know, he went through a lot, and uh, that's how sin works, when there's a departure from God and his word, and there are heavy consequences and circumstances, uh, you know, relationships that are made difficult. You know, then God ministers by his mercy and his grace. You know, Jacob, uh, even after all those things, experienced the grace and mercy of the Lord, didn't he? God ministered to him and said I know you you know you're no longer Jacob I know you're no longer the heel catcher you know you're now governed by God and God ministered to him by his mercy and grace he gave him a family and he gave him much worth right he was God was giving him favor amongst Laban when Laban's trying to trying to make a deal with him and then kind of work the deal so that it still goes in his his own um favor so there was a lot going there you know, Jacob didn't deserve God's favor, but he got it, and it's the same the way that Lord ministers to us. We don't deserve His favor. Uh, the Lord desires for us to uh, to to walk with Him, and and because that's when we're strong. It's we want it, you want to see a child do the right thing, right? You don't want to see a child or even a grown up doing the wrong thing and and uh, reaping what they're sowing. You know, it's sad to see stories. You know, that oftentimes it's very sad because. You'll see somebody who is so caught in, in a in an addiction to meth, and they'll post their picture on the on the uh, the uh, newspaper website or whatever, and they look like death. They look awful, right? And have you ever read? Have you ever got onto the the the, um, the comment section of the newspaper or whatever? And just read some of those comments. So judgmental. You know, some of those people might have been us. Some of those people might be our brothers and sisters that are in CRD right now. And that's how they looked. That's, that's a representation of what was happening inside them. And the world is going to mock that and say, Oh, I'm so much better than that. Look at that person. Yeah, right inside them, rotten to the core. That should break our heart. When we see that, if we're not moved to prayer and compassion, then pray about it because our heart is hard. We have to pray for that person. Yeah, how many people do we know that attend this church that were so lost and broken by the power of addiction in their lives? And where, how is the Lord using them? To preach. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? To preach, to love on people, to grab trash. That they're now not only saved and restored, they're now serving God inside the church. Outside the church they're living their life. That's how God works. The world will mock and the world will throw them away and say Oh Damaged goods get rid of them. It's not how God works He's so much better Verse four So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands and the earrings which were in their ears and Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree which was by Shechem. This is kind of funny, isn't it? You read that first thing, the foreign gods which are in their hands, what are they doing? Like walking around, I realize that, you know, this is probably in response to the call, right? But if you just read it in there, it's kind of funny to read that, like they're walking around with these things in their hands. That right there is telling, though. If somebody can hold something that they consider to be a higher power than them that they're praying to, how high is that power, right? Right? We've talked about that, right? What did Isaiah say? You know, the Lord said through Isaiah, like you're cutting up wood and you're you're cooking breakfast on it and you're making these things and everything, and then you're using the scrap wood and everything. Okay, make it speak. Can it hear? Right? I, Isaiah just uh, the Lord just just mocking, mocking the fact that somebody would create something that they can break, that they that they can use to cook bacon and eggs on. You know, these guys here, it says that they're they're gods that are in their hands, right? They're foreign gods, which are in their hands, and the earrings, which were in their ears. So whatever earrings they had were little pagan earrings, whatever they were, whatever symbols they had. It wasn't the fact that you can't. Now, we understand that people will take scriptures and say, well, earrings are pagan. You can't wear earrings. No, it's not true at all, because later on, right, when somebody wanted to make themselves a willing bondservant, what would they do? All through the ear, earring in there, okay? We understand the importance of understanding the, the Scripture in its proper context, right? So some will say, oh, yeah, yeah, it's pagan, can't wear earrings, right? You have to dress like this, and there they go, right down, right down the, the, the road of legalism. So they all here are here, and what does Jacob do? Say, they're not going to find these again. And he takes them, buries them. You know, because if he just took them and, and like hid them somewhere, somebody could find them. He's putting them way into the ground. He says, somebody would have to know right where I am and dig this up to find these. And he goes and he does, It's I, I love to hear that, that he hid them under the terebinth tree. He was hiding them. It wasn't that he just took them in the, in the, in the midst of everybody and did it he hid them under the tree he hid them there so that nobody would find them you know that's he what he's 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 trying to make sure they don't return and get those that those don't return into them they shouldn't have been there in the first place but jacob now is addressing the issue he recognized the need to even though it's late even though it had been happening you know you know why hadn't it already been done? We don't know, but we know that Jacob was addressing it now It's never too late to to forsake sin unless somebody's breath is gone right and their breath is gone they can't do that anymore They're when at the end of their life but that uh, I tell you right now that 11th hour prayer when someone says, "I messed up." we just heard a pastor from North Carolina his name's uh, Mike Buner, I think burner Mike burner. And he talked about his life. Part of his life was involved in organized crime. And at a young age, he made a lot of money. He and his buddy made a lot of money. And uh, we know that inside that type of world, if somebody knows you have that money, you can be a target. And that's just what happened as teenagers, 15 years old, 15 years old. They had this money upwards of $100,000. Hidden away. Oh, yeah, they were making some good money, and uh, and they had it hidden away. And somebody found out about it. They start beating one guy up. He didn't give up everything, so he and his. It's just uh, Mike and his best friend. They found his best friend first. He had. They knew something was up, so he texts his text. Sorry, pager time. It was this was back in the nineties. Sends a message to his friend uh, through a pager. Hey, which meant hey, meet me right here. So his friend's stumbling towards him. He's trying to figure out, like, what is going on? His friend had been beaten and stabbed, and stabbed in the back, and uh, he died, right, in Mike's arms. He died in his arms. That 15-year-old kid stabbed over money. It's just sad, you know, the the how far somebody will go to get what they want. Stabbed and killed a 15- year-old boy who was, uh, who had no dad in the house and it was just him and his mom. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's shameful what will be done. you know how the extent somebody will go to to get what they want. you know that's just money. it's going to go easy come easy go, right? You look in proverbs they get that money, it's gone. They're, they're probably, they're going to get stabbed or killed for it because guess what? Oh, he's got all kinds of money. Let's go rob him, right? That's just how the world works, right? You got money. I'm taking it, especially in that world. (sighs) Jacob was responsible for his family and he's taking ownership and responsibility and he's focusing on the spiritual uh, purity of his family. And the, uh, the thing that we see here is everybody went along with J- what Jacob said. They gave it all to him and they buried it away, and he took it and buried it away. For us, our family's going to go where we lead it. That's just that's what it is. You know, the family goes where the leadership leads it. Our 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 uh, uh, you know relationships with uh, coworkers. Any of those things, I mean, yes, they could do wrong too, and there can be a rebellion in there. But if we're in charge of leading something and it's failing, why is it failing? Most likely you're going to find the culprit in the mirror. (laughs) Wait a minute, I failed right here. I've I've told you guys, you know, those things that I've, I've heard my kids, you know, they'll repeat, you know, when they were little. And uh, not outright bae. They were replacement words. When I, you know, I just slam on the brakes. And you know, I remember uh, Ken talking about replacement words. Be careful with those. You know, where where we'll go so far with them, uh, and not necessarily any of us here. But Zum crow, who is that, and what is that, right? What could that be, right? You just got to be careful with those. You know, there there are, there are things that 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 can get right there. And you know, when I heard my kids start start saying some of those I'm like, wait a minute you know and I've got to watch even what I say even though i'm 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 replacing that with that it, it can really uh, you know when it comes out of a six year old's mouth like what are you saying? oh, exactly what you heard me say oh okay, right in the mirror going my problem, right you know we're we're just we're called as Christians to be leaders specifically for men. We're called to lead our families we We are the leaders of our families scripturally, you know uh whether that's somebody living under our roof or not. you know we are called to be leaders and uh, so when we see things breaking down, be sure that we should be reflecting on ourselves and and how we have led, that we would subject ourselves and submit our, our lives to Christ and let Him work, and then we can properly lead. You know, if we find where we failed here or there, bring it to God and say, I failed right here. Can you help me with this? Yep. And He will. So God has Jacob's attention now, you know, uh, and He's getting serious. He's making some serious things here. That's important. We're not called to be spiritual slinkies, right? Where, you know, slinkies like, hey, I'm really close. You ever? See, ever grabbed one side of a slinky and, and, and had somebody else pull that, you know, we're, you know, we're not called to be like that spiritually. We're supposed to be steadfast in our faith and to walk with the Lord. We we can't be that, you know, bouncy, we all, you know, slinkies are weird, you know, think of it, you know, and if you're, we're, we're spiritually being a slinky where you kind of, you know, going around unpredictable, don't know if it's going to make it down the next step and, you know all these things, and and getting how many people one day of a slinky, and it was all torn up so much that you couldn't even use it anymore. Now it's like two half slinkies, right? It's just a mess. You know, spiritually, we can do that to to our lives uh, the same. So we discussed in Genesis that in Genesis thirty four. The, the Lord's name isn't mentioned. In this chapter, it's mentioned over 10 times. And in another 11, if you count Israel and Bethel in it, there's a lot of mentioning in the Lord. And what do we see? Restoration and order happening when God is being mentioned. All the chaos in 34 and godlessness, and now we see when God is speaking, uh, there's, there's more happening. You know, David was called, uh, excuse me, David. Jacob was called uh, to return to the Lord. And uh, it seems in, in 34, they were doing their own thing. And uh, where we see that God has mentioned this many times is, and we see things getting put in here as God increases, order should increase. It's how it should happen in our life. As our, as our relationship grows with him, things are going to be in proper order in our lives. Not that we're never going to have any type of, um, you know, um, uh, problems in our lives. We're never going to have any trials or anything like that. But things are in order, and we're spiritually prepared for when those things come up, right? That as as our relationship with God uh, is where it should be. Verse five. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities. That were all around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So remember, when he was all worried that he would be killed, he's like, now look what you did! And everybody's going to be after us. You know, I'll become stinky is what he's saying to them. To them, I'm going to be a stench to them, and they're an annoyance, and they're going to want to come after us. They're all going to come together in an allegiance and attack us. But we see that God was protecting them. You know, we can convince ourselves that things are crumbling all around us, and God has control of it. We just need to go to him and be like, Lord, you know what I'm, I'm facing in this circumstance. I just need you uh, to, to minister to take care of those things. Remember, God had already told him that he was going to bless him and that through his lineage, uh, that he was going to bless every family in the world, that Abrahamic covenant that, that was uh, passed on to him. Verse 6, so Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, because God there God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. So he returned to the place that he knew of uh, God's presence being there, the house of God, and uh, now he has his family with him. And before it was just him, it was just Jacob, right? And in that time, that, 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 when he's laying his head on the rock and he has that experience uh, with the Lord. And, and we see that when he left there, he built a place of worship. And um, now when he's returning, he's, re- he's uh, built that place of worship, that altar. And he adds El to El Bethel, and that would be God of the house of God and where he's recognizing what God is doing in his life and how God has spoke to him and how he's moving in his life. So he adds L to it, which is an interesting thing. Verse 8, Now Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died, and she was buried below Bethel under the terebinth tree. Uh, So the name of it was called Alan Bacchoth. Um, Beckhoth. We don't have a whole lot of information about Deborah, but she's mentioned here for a reason. We know that she was Rebecca's nurse, and maybe she was the one uh, that that came with her from Haran. Um, uh, We we don't really know, but we know that uh, she lived a life based on looking at the scripture. It's a life base uh, that was lived in obscurity. All we know is that she existed and that she was Uh, Rebecca's uh, uh, that she was Rachel's I'm sorry Um, uh, yeah Rebecca's nurse Um, and uh, and we don't know anything about her there was that uh, that obscurity but it's still quite quite a neat thing that she's mentioned in the scriptures you know we may not have the most notable life but uh, if i if the if the only thing said is that and he walked with the Lord you know if that's on my headstone here's John, you know, he loved the Lord. He loved his family. Perfect. Good to go. <laughs> you know, that, that sounds. you know, he walked with the Lord. Perfect. Done. You don't have to put this big long sappy poem on there. This, and I've seen it. I actually saw it. Um, uh, a young man that I enlisted, uh, into the air national guard, um, several, I mean, um, over a decade ago, um, was unfortunately killed in a, uh, stone would the accident and I had to go up to Presque Isle for, um, goodness. I don't even remember why I was there. Um, I, I have no idea why I was just there. And, uh, uh, Oh, I was up there for soccer. We went up there for, um, uh, Ashley's regional championship game. And, uh, so we, I wanted to, you know, we want to get up there early and everything. I got to stop in and I got to go look at Brian's, um, uh, you know, gravestone and everything. And, and, uh, and I looked and I saw one and it said this guy, it was like, uh, he, he loved God and he walked with God or something. I'm like, love it. I think I even took a picture of it. You know, though, th- that's the simplicity. Just, just walking with the Lord. We don't know a lot about Deborah, but she's mentioned here. And uh, th- there's a reason for it. And, you know, she might've played a strong role maybe in, in helping to raise Jacob. You know, she's, she's, you know, Rebecca's nurse. Uh, she might've been, you know, involved in a lot with uh, Jacob and Esau's lives. Um, you know, we know that she held a significant place in the family though, because they named the place Alon uh, Bacuth, uh which is Oak Oak of Weeping. You know, so that when they name it for her, she had a significant role. Uh just an encouragement for us. You know, we may not all be uh running around uh with crusades all over the world or anything. Sometimes it's just this was a normal dude or dudette, sorry, uh that, that loved God. And they existed, and when they passed away, they were buried here. I don't know, you know. If as as long as the summary is he loved God, and you know you know he loved Jesus, good enough done. And my parent my, my my family knows I love them. You know, if that's what they want to put on there, that's fine. So verse nine. Then God appeared to Jacob again, and uh, when he came from Padnarum and blessed him. And God said to him, "Your name is Jacob. You shall not be called Jacob any more, but Israel may, shall be your name." So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, "I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you. I give to you." And to your descendants after you, I give this land. Then God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. So God appears to Jacob again, and he reassures him of his promises, the reminder of the new name, the reminders of his plan and his love for him and and what was was going to happen in his life. God will do the same for us. He'll remind us. You know, oh, hey, if you think you've forgotten, hey, Jake, you know, I know there's a lot going on in your family right now. Just wanted to let you know, remember I gave you that new name. Remember I told you I was going to fulfill these promises in your life. I'm just going to reassure you of those. Sometimes we need that. And I wonder that, you know, Jacob probably needed to hear that. Remember I gave you that new name governed by God, and then you kind of went back to being Jacob again? No, your name is Israel. You're not supposed to go by that name anymore you know when you introduce yourself you introduce yourself as israel the scripture still calls him jacob in, in here but uh we know that those and his whole family goes by israel you know and that's how the how the country uh also identifies itself and god identis- identifies himself seeing here i am god almighty i am god almighty <laughs> hey Jacob, you had a lot going on in life, haven't you? You see how it blessed you here, here, and here, and I told you all these things? Yeah, I'm God Almighty. And uh, maybe Jacob just needed to hear that he is God Almighty again. You know, so God says that to him, and he gives him uh, that reminder, the blessing and the commandment to be fruitful and multiply. Does that sound familiar? You know, God's plan for mankind was to multiply and he created them male and female, regardless of what our culture is trying to tell us right now. I've just recently heard, and I can't remember who told me, but um, uh, they, I think it was maybe on the way to the men's conference. It might've been all saying it, but uh, that, that there was a woman proclaiming that men can menstruate also. What are you talking about lady? What's that? And may yeah men can I don't have fallopian tubes or ovaries. I don't have any of that stuff. I can't do it. It's biologically impossible. That person I would say should probably be examined uh, because you know technically probably insane. They they yeah yeah they literally said, "Well, men can menstruate too." No, they can't. We don't have a menstruation cycle. I don't mean to, you know, I don't want one. <laughs> you know i don't know anybody who does but um but anyways we'll move on from that now that i'm probably 90 shades of red but that stuff does not bother i have a wife and three daughters so you know it does not bother me to talk about that and go get stuff that whatever you know and he, I'm, yeah, I am gonna move on I am going to move on cuz I am going to get in trouble. So, uh so, you know the he tells them be fruitful, multiply. Some have made the decision we're not going to have kids. Some can't have kids. Okay, whatever. Mankind was told to to do that and uh you know, that's between them and the Lord, whatever. Uh you know, I I I I know people that have just said I, I that uh, I, I've, I've worked with, and they're just like we just like hanging out with each other. Cool, you know. Love your wife, love your husband. That's a decision you guys have come to. That's your world, you know. That they, but you know, what what the Lord is specifically telling Israel, like I, He's already blessed him, and He's already got his twelve sons, and you know uh, he, he, he's the the twelve tribes of Israel have been presented to us here, right? And He's the patriarch, and God is telling him, you're the patriarch. In in other words, he's getting that 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 blessing from the Lord, and he says, "Kings shall come from your body." That's pretty powerful. Kings shall come from your body, his descendants, and you know he's 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 next in line for the Abrahamic covenant, and it's it's being uh, reassured to him here. And and the Lord said to you, uh, to your descendants after you, I give this land. Here's another example of God giving the land to the children of Israel. Regardless of what the world says, this spot was for them. And we see it more throughout the Old Testament where God is saying, This is your land. This is what I've given you. It's right there in the scripture. So God's faithfulness didn't change because of Jacob's instability. He's God Almighty, right? You know, Jacob, heel snatcher. Again, I changed your name, remember? (laughs) Remember, I gave you these promises? Why are you still worried about everybody around you? Didn't you just witness everybody's horrified of you guys? just follow me is is what the lord is saying. Verse 14. So Jacob set up a pillar where he talked with him. A pillar of stone and he poured a drink offering on it and he uh, and he poured oil on it and Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke to him Bethel. So he the, we already know that it was it was called Bethel but he sets everything up there as a reminder and he offered a drink offering and poured oil on it and uh, you know we may have significant places or times that we remember that have a special place for this was a special place and a special thing that took place in Jacob's life so he's not going to forget what he did here you know we may get to that point it's important for us to not not just remember those but it would we have to warn ourselves don't make that an idol to us that we can only the only time I can hear from God is if I go to Arizona in the desert when He spoke to me when I was there. So God's not going to speak to me unless I go there, right? That's not how God works. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. You know, we might remind remember that, or we may, you know, uh, when we take a trip, say, hey, you know what? When we take a trip, I really would love to go back to that. That that has a special place for me. There's nothing wrong with that. But that what we see happening here is a powerful movement that's happened in Jacob's life, and he worships the Lord there, and he, he, he offers a drink offering, and he's pouring oil, and it's, it, he's worshiping God in that place. Verse 16, then they journeyed from Bethel, and when uh, there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel, Rachel uh, labored in childbirth. And she had hard labor. Now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you will have this son also. And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Ben-Onai, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath. Uh, that is Bethlehem, and Jacob set up a set of pillar on her grave, which is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. So we see here that they've they're now moving on from Bethel, and Rachel is hard in labor, and uh, labor by itself is hard. I've never experienced it; don't want to, but from what I've heard, it's excruciating. It's it's not good. This is a Hard labor. This is explaining something. So labor, we know that labor by, it's called labor for a reason. Work, right? And then that hard labor, something was wrong. So this is what's saying here. It, it, what it's saying here is um, that uh, there, there are massive complications. And the midwife says to encourage her and to comfort her, and she spoke of a son. And uh, remember Rachel's great torment and her struggle. She got so desperate, right? I'll oh, give you some of the mandrakes, right? Oh, that I could, you know, and then she's like, you know, selling her husband for the night to Leah, right? So they can get, the, you know, the, uh, the, the favor. And then she makes this concoction, whether God used that or not, whatever, but she's able to conceive, and she has uh, her first son, Joseph. And now there's another son that, uh, we see is, is born. So the medical circumstance, uh, that had, uh, had, she was facing had overtaken her. And she knew she was fading, so when he's born, she called him ben Onai, which means son of my trouble. We see right after that that his father changed his name to Benjamin. That's a name, son of my right hand. Consider that a wise decision. You know, if you're known as the son of my trouble, that's not very encouraging, you know. Jacob knew something about having a name you're probably not proud of, right? You know, if your name's Ichabod, you know, or whatever, oh, wow, you know, okay. You know, you you think of some of these names, you know, we don't know why, but we see, I I think we can glimpse into that and we're going to see that it's a place, you know, when you say that, son of my right hand, that right hand was a place of honor, you know, rather than trouble being associated to your name, honor is going to be associated to your name. You know, Jacob's name uh, seemed to be indicative of potential problems in his life. Right. And it was, (laughs) you know, it was it was true, you know. And and, uh, um, when he changes it, you know, it must have been an encouragement, you know, for him down the line to have an encouraging name. You know, a son of my right hand. That's that's an encouraging name. You know, God, God, my my dad loves me. My dad loves me, you know, And, and not that his mother didn't. But he wanted him to have a name uh, that we that we could look into. You know, some some uh, some speculation for me is he wanted him to have a name to be proud of. And, uh, you know, we think of the tribe of Benjamin and the Apostle Paul came from the tribe of Benjamin. That's a cool one to have associated to your name. Right? So Rachel died and she was the one that Jacob had served a total of 14 years for. The deal was for seven And good old Laban, you know, got another seven out of him for for her. And uh, she was the one that he had a deep love for above her sister that he kind of got, you know, forced into a relationship with her. You know, uh, the one that desperately desired a child and and she begged her sister. They came to that that point. So that woman that we learned all those things about, beautiful to behold and uh, desperate for a son, desperately loved by her husband, is gone. And so Rachel's uh, time on earth is over. In verse 21, then Israel journeyed and pitched his tent beyond uh, the tower of Eder. And it happened when uh, when Israel dwelt in the land that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard about it. So it uh, seems to be a massive shift in topic. Uh, it is, <laughs> you know, so we get off the sadness of, of uh, you know, him losing uh, Rachel. So we don't know how much time had passed here, uh, but uh, either way, uh, he might have still been in great mourning of, his, of uh, losing his, it's weird to say, favorite wife, but that's who she was, you know, the, the love of his life. And, you know, there are obviously some time gaps that we don't have written out for us. But Reuben commits a shameful act. We'll see that that is condemned later on in the scripture and uh, that, that it's not supposed to be something that, that takes place amongst God's people. And so he laid with the maidservant of, uh, of Rachel, and uh, her name was Bilhah. And, and we see here that sin, uh, we're going to read in the scripture, if you would um, uh, turn with me to Genesis 49, verse 3. Genesis 49, verse 3. Remember Simeon and Levi got their verbal smackdown, and we looked a little bit at that. We're going to kind of read over it here, but uh, we see that there's an address happening to all three of them. Verse 3, this is uh, Jacob uh, at the end of his life saying, "Uh, Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength. The excellency and dignity and the excellency of power, unstable as water, you shall not excel, because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. He continues, Simeon and Levi are brothers, instruments of cruelty, and are in their uh, and are in their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter their council. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they hamstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down. He lies down as a lion, and as a lion, who shall rouse him? Pretty powerful words for the first four, huh? Reuben this is addressed. The end of his life is because you went to your father's bed and you have defiled it. Your life isn't going to excel. You're unstable as water. I wouldn't want to hear that. At the uh, like, I would rather my parents have a blessing for me. That's hard. You know, you're not going to walk away from there. Like, believe that guy? Come on, let's go get a burger and some fries. That should wreck you, right? Simeon and Levi had their stuff. Who got the blessing? Judah. Judah got the blessing, didn't he? When you see in there. Verse 8 on. First Chronicles I'll just read this to you 5 verses 1 through 1 and 2 says now the sons of Reuben the firstborn of Israel he was indeed the firstborn but because he defiled his father's bed his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph the son of Israel, so that the genealogy is not listed according to the birthright. Yet Judah prevailed over his brothers, and from him came a ruler, although the birthright was was Joseph's. Reuben lost everything. He lost it all to his brothers, to Joseph and to Judah. It says that, that Jacob heard about it, and, and we don't see that he addressed it until we see him addressing it in, in Genesis 49. And what a devastating thing to hear. And when we read in there, uh, just confirming uh, it, where, where he defiled his father, that shouldn't be happening. He knew that was wrong. To do that means that he has no respect for his father. It's, it's, a, it's an act of rebellion against his father to do that. You remember Absalom. Absalom. David yeah when David's on the run Absalom took his concubines and slept with them out in the open everybody could see to shame his father right thing no, should not have been done Judah's the fourth born but it seems the the sins of Reuben Simeon and Levi disqualified them from the that that birthrights that were that would have been passed along to them and who was born into the tribe of Judah our Lord, our Savior. It's pretty interesting study when you start looking at those names and and what happened, isn't it? For the second half of verse 22. Now the sons of Jacob were were 12. The sons of Leah were Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel were Joseph and Benjamin. The sons of Bilhah, Rachel's uh, maidservant, were Dan and Naphtali. The sons of Zilpah, Leah's maidservant, were Gad and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Paddan Aram. You know, so we have the account of the 12. This is a list of the 12 tribes of Israel with Jacob being the patriarch. Then Jacob came, verse 27, to his, fa- uh, to his father Isaac at Mamre and, or Kirjath Arba, that is uh, Hebron where Abraham and Isaac had dwelled. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years. So Isaac breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, being old and full of days. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. So we don't have anything listed here of great significance. We just see that uh, we know that's documented here that he did get to see his father again. Whether they did before this or not, This is specifically recording when he died, Jacob and Esau were there to bury him. And we know that those two had already met and they had had already been brought back together. But, uh, you know, Jacob uh, did get to see his father. And we know that Isaac lived a lot longer than he thought he was going. Remember, he thought he was dying. Go out and get my last meal. I'm dying. He lived a long time after that. Died at 180 years old. Couldn't see, but you know you know he was he he had it tough you know and and we see that there was a restoration now um we're going to read uh, about half of uh, 36 we're going to plow it right into that we got about 5 minutes so uh verse uh, chapter 36 you know this is a sum of the family tree of Esau and there uh you know many more listed here uh than uh, what are listed in Jacob's uh, tree so far, but you know this is the last we're going to hear of Esau's family tree. Uh, Esau was defined as a profane and godless man that ber- it had despised his birthright, right? So um, as we see here, this is kind of the culmination of what happened, uh, and uh, we'll look into this and, and see uh, what we have here. So verse 1, this is a genealogy of Esau, who is Edom. Now Edom's going to sound familiar, right? Because of the Edomites. So Esau took his wives from the daughters of Canaan. Uh, Ada, uh, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and this poor lady, Aholibama. Um, I, I, I keep looking at, looking at it saying "Oh, holy uh but I don't, I, 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 uh, oh, yeah. Anyways, the daughter of Ana, uh, the daughters of Zibion the Hivite, and uh, Basemath or Basemath, um, Israel's daughter, uh, sister of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, I I don't know what happened to Annie and you know Melissa or whatever, but those names, you know, here. Uh, so you know, we we have a record of him taking wives. We know that his first two wives, Ada and we're going to call her Obama, um, uh, they were a grief of mine, right? Genesis 26 tells us. Uh, that uh, uh genesis twenty six says that they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. and then he takes uh Basimuth, uh, we'll say it that way it sounds prettier uh taken after Jacob left uh, from from Ishmael, right after Jacob had left and he heard um, uh, Isaac, his dad, uh, that you know the the message going along so he didn't want to marry of of there. so he he took her as wife. Verse four. Now, Adah bore uh, these uh, ones here that you can see here. And uh, the other wife, Aholabama, uh bore uh, those people here and Korah. These were the sons of Esau who were born to him in the land of Canaan. Then Esau took his wives, his sons, his daughters, and all the persons of his household, his cattle, and all of his Animals and all his goods, which he had gained in the land of Canaan, and went to a country away from the presence of his brother Jacob, for their possessions were too great for them to dwell together, and the land where uh, they were uh, where they were strangers could not support them because of the livestock. so Esau dwelt in Mount seir Esau is Edom, so Isaac uh, didn't have much for blessings for uh, Esau when it came uh, right after uh, Jacob had come in and uh, was blessed in his brother's stead, but God we can see here still blessed him in his life. He had much. He had a big family. He was blessed with uh, a lot of uh, possessions uh, that he uh, could provide for his family, and uh, because he was a son of Abraham and a son of Isaac, so he moved to Mount Se- uh, Seir, and and uh, that's south and east of the Dead Sea. Uh, to a land, uh, and then they call the name of the land Edom. Verse 9, and this is a genealogy of Esau, the father of the Edomites uh, in Mount Seir. Now, uh, it says the father of the Edomites. Now, the Edomites are significant in Israel's history. They're mentioned 130 times in the Bible, so they're very significant and some of the things of note, numbers twenty and twenty-one, the Edomites would not allow Israel; they wouldn't permit them to pass through the the land. The time of Moses and made them work a lot harder, and they were at greater risk. Uh, and it it was a great discouragement uh, to Israel. And there were also those things. We're brothers, you know we 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 have the same you know uh, forefather here, and they didn't want anything to do with it. And uh, God commanded the Israelites to still regard them. Uh, In Deuteronomy 23, verse 7, it says, You shall not abhor an Edomite, for he is your brother. In 1 Samuel 14, 47, in the days of Samuel, Edom was subject to Israel. And David established garrisons there in 2 Samuel. So Edom has a significant role in Israel's um, existence. And uh, we know that Jeremiah and Ezekiel both spoke against Edom uh, uh, at times in their uh, time of uh, when they were prophesying. Now, verses, uh, if you'd like to read through all these names, um, you know how I'm going to butcher them. So I encourage you, uh, we do, sp- we do uh, study the scripture verse by verse. Uh, this is going to be a one, two, skip a few, that little old saying, right? We're going to go from 10 uh, and, and all the way down to 30, where we see sons are named, leaders are named. Uh, one thing we will do, though, and in my study, I, was, I, I looked through the names and uh, came upon one that's going to definitely sound familiar, Amalek, the Amalekites. Now, that's a familiar one, probably. Uh, they're known as the wandering tribe. And they uh, centered around Kadesh and the northern part of the Sinai Peninsula, uh, uh, but they would roam in wide circles um, and far to the east. And what we learn of the Amalekites is they were the first ones to attack Israel after they had left Egypt. And they oppressed Israel in the time of the Judges. So, uh, Deuteronomy uh, 25, I'll read these uh, three verses to you says, remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt, how he met you on the way and attacked your, oh, it's up there too, and attacked your rear ranks, all the stragglers at your rear, when you were tired and weary and he did not fear God. Therefore, it shall be when the Lord your God has given you rest, from your enemies all around in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance, that you sh- you will blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. You shall not forget. They were so wicked that they went and they got the lame. Those that would have been using a walker. Those that were hurt, twisted ankles that couldn't move fast. No doubt Children. Right? They're, they're coming up from behind and they're taking the easy. That That's what happens, guys. Watch, watch uh, the animal planet, right? What do they get? The slow one. The one that's hurt. They were wicked. And we know that the Lord had sent Saul uh, to uh, utterly destroy the Amalekites. And he doesn't. And he's rebuked for it by Samuel. Rebuked by the Lord. Rejected by the Lord. It's a lot that happens there. Verse 31, Now these were the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king reigned over the children of Israel. Bala, the son of Beor, reigned in Edom, and the name of his city was uh, and uh, that. And uh, when Bala died, Jobab, the son of Zerah, of Basra reigned in his place. When Jobab died, Husham uh, of the land of the Tamanites reigned in his place. And when uh, Husham died, Hadad, the son of Bador, died and attacked Midian in the field of Moab, reigned in his place, and the name of the city was Abath. When Hadad died, uh, Samla of Mascara, uh, reigned in his place. And when Samla died, son of Re- Rehobath by the river, uh, reigned in his place. When Saul died, Abel- Baal-Hanan, the son of Akbar, reigned in his place. And when Baal-Hanan, the son of Akbar, died, Hadar uh, reigned in his place. And the name of the city was Pau. Uh, his wife's name was Mehetabel, the daughter of Met, Matrid the daughter of Mesahab. Uh, and these were the names of the chiefs of Esau, according to their families and their places by their names. Chief Timnah, Chief Avla, Chief Jephthah, Chief... There it is again, Al-Holabama. Um, uh, <laughs> Chief... I hope I don't have to say that anymore. Chief Ela, Chief uh, Pinon, uh, Chief Kinas, Chief Taman, Chief Meb- Mibzar... Uh, Chief Magdiel, Chief Iram, these are the chiefs of the Edom, according to their dwelling place and the land of their possession. Esau was the father of the Edomites, so Esau was blessed and had many that came from him you know that uh, but we know here verse thirty six this is like the end of him, uh, as Esau gets brought up later it's a profane and wicked man, godless man, so We made it through those. I didn't know if we'd make it. I kept you five minutes late, and I apologize. But I didn't want to start with that because next week we're getting into Joseph's dreams, and um, it's kind of weird to start that with genealogy. So uh, we, we pressed through it, and I'm sorry it cost you five minutes. But let's pray. Father, we are so blessed to have your word, Lord, that we would ever be in a spot where Uh, we're not being uh, inconsistent in our faith. And if we have been, bring us back. We have loved ones that we know need to be here with us, God. Minister to them and bring them back to this place. We don't want them to experience the hardships as we saw Jacob experienced. Help us, Lord, to walk with you, to trust you, and to know that you love us and you have a plan for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.